This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. I'm speaking this morning, I think, on a real challenging subject for all of us. If we're going to be real and honest, I think perhaps the message today applies to every single one of us in some way or another. The message is entitled, Moving Past Our Past. And I really just would like for you to be like a spiritual sponge and soak up God's word today and truly let it apply to your life and your heart. It's a sobering thought, and I pray that it will help you. And we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3 as our cornerstone passage for this morning's message. And I'm going to be reading verse number 13 right now. We'll get to eventually verse 14, but I want us to look at Verse number 13, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. And so keep in mind today in this series, Made New, we're talking about moving past our past. Listen carefully to the word today. Because the scripture teaches us that one of our biggest responsibilities as a believer is to grow in grace. <clears throat> now the word commissions us and challenges us, commands us to do an assortment of things. But one of these responsibilities that we have as believers is to grow in grace. And I think one of the greatest obstacles to growing in our faith is the inability to accept the forgiveness of God concerning tragic mistakes that we have made in our past. I think our past mistakes, our shortcomings, our failures, much too often they hold us back from all that God has for us. Between people, the devil, and most of the time ourselves, there are things or people in our lives constantly bringing up our past, bringing up our failures, people attempting to remind us of where we used to be in life. But in the message today, I want us to focus on some new realities, and that is this. God invites us through his word to live a life that's focused on the present, not the past. Rather, he gives us the opportunities. Rather than dwelling in the past, According to the scripture, we can anticipate with eager anticipation the blessings of living right now. In fact, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says this in chapter 27 in verse number one, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. And so this morning, I want you to try to embrace a great fundamental spiritual truth here today, and that's this, that our past does not define us. 
God does. And here's something else. Nothing that has happened in our past can hold us back from what God's grace and mercy has done and what it continues to do today. Last week, we had the joy of celebrating Easter, and it was a wonderful service, and I'm still reminiscing in that and giving God the praise for it and the fact that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive and well. And that's the message of hope that we can all rejoice in today. But now we're going to continue our sermon series called Made New, and I hope that it will be a blessing to you. We need to get this. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us right now. And that means that through our faith in the Lord Jesus, God gives us all that we need to live a transformed life and to be made new. Last week, as we celebrated the glorious bodily resurrection of the Lord, we discussed in the message how it is our faith that Jesus makes us new. Here's the truth of the matter, because it comes right out of the book of Romans When we confess according to scripture with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. The word says that we shall be saved. That's a tremendous truth and it's so easy, it's simplistic. I think salvation has been designed by God in such a way that children can receive it. And I know that people have questioned the decisions that children have made young in their lives. But I would encourage you this morning, listen carefully, never question a a child's faith or a child's decisions that they make. You and I are not their judge. We don't know when they understand, when they get to the age of accountability. And none of us, because I think we've all been deceived in in our spiritual upbringing that somehow we think that a child has to be 12 years old before they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the truth of the matter is that 12 year old business is not in the word. Somehow we have manufactured it. We find Jesus in the temple at 12 years old teaching the doctors and lawyers and scribes. But that has nothing to do with the power of conviction from the Holy Spirit when he sets upon a heart. I've said this many times. I would rather a child, whether it be in children's church, junior church, or whether it be in this sanctuary, I would rather a child walk this aisle a hundred times and say down here in front of everybody, this morning I received Christ as my Savior, than for me to stop them midway and say, go back to your pew, you've done it a hundred times. Because I don't ever know when it's going to be real in that person's life. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. Salvation is simple. If we confess that Jesus is the Savior, we invite him into our heart. We believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Paul said, we shall be saved. It's simple. And that's the good news of Easter that we celebrated last Sunday. And we still can rejoice in that good news today. And so this morning, I would like for us to look at far more reaching effects of the resurrection. I want you to think about it. And nothing can take place of the resurrection. I said last Sunday that I believe it was the greatest event that happened on planet Earth in all of human history, and I still believe that. But one of the incredible results of our faith in Jesus is given. We're given the power of God, according to Scripture, 
God gives us the power through the power of his resurrection to move past our past. And let me say this again. One of the greatest obstacles in our life as believers to growing in faith is our inability to receive the forgiveness of God. I want you to think about that. Our mistakes, our shortcomings, and our failures of life, listen carefully, they do not have the last word and the final say over us. Our living Savior is the one who has the last word and the final say. And so this morning, not all of us, and I understand this so well, not all of us here today have come through the same circumstances. We have not experienced the same situations. But I believe we all, to some degree or another, we have all come to the place where we have felt that we have been held back by the history in our lives from time to time. And again, we all have one. We all have a past. And there are things that I believe that we all wish we could change and redo. But the encouragement is this, that the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus has changed everything and has made everything new. In fact, that resurrection experience, it proves that God loves us. It proves that God's grace is available to us and praise the name of Jesus. Listen, through his grace, we can be forgiven. And I want us to think about that this morning. There's a scripture and I don't have it on your bulletin today. And I inserted this yesterday in my study, but I want you to look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. These guys are really good at getting these scriptures quick on the screen for you, but I want you to look at this. The Bible says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? Oh, so you see, it doesn't matter where we've been, what we have done. There is no circumstance, there is no situation that we have been in, that we have lived through, that we have experienced where if we have confessed it and we have placed it under the blood of Jesus, according to the scripture, the power of the blood of Jesus can forgive us and cleanse us from all sin. Nothing can hold us back. And so I want to share with you this morning three simple truths that I believe can help us all move forward from regrets, from train wrecks, from nightmares, whatever we entitle something of our life that we wish we could go back and undo. I want to share with you three simple things that will help us to move forward from those things in our past and move forward. The first number one is this. It would be a wonderful thing if we could all learn to live by the windshield and not by the rearview mirror. Let me explain that just for a little bit because many Bible characters find themselves or found themselves struggling to reconcile with their past as well. When I think of the Old Testament, I wonder how many days did David anguish in his spirit how many days did he wrestle with the torments of what he had done? And we could go on and on with the list of his transgressions today. 
But I wonder how long he suffered with the words that he wrote. My sin is ever before me. Now think about that. What he meant when he wrote that was that from the time I get up in the morning, I'm making my way through the day. I lay my head on the pillow at night, and I'm sure there were many sleepless nights that he had. He wrote these words, my sin is ever before me. I wonder how long the process was before he got to the place where he said, against thee, you father, have I sinned. Wash me and I shall be clean. There's no doubt in my mind that from the time that he found himself in such depression from the sins of his past until the time that he wrote these words, my sin is ever before me. He confessed it. He brought it to God. He confessed it. And here's the thing that I firmly believe. I don't believe that David wrestled with depression and despair from the sins, the transgressions, the train wrecks, the mistakes, the failures of his life. Now, I'm not saying that he never thought of them again. Because you see, one of the tragedies of the mistakes and the failures in our life is this. Sin always leaves scars. But what happens when we place our sin in front of God Almighty and say, my sin is ever before me. God, I'm just constantly thinking about my past and what I have done. I'm sorry. I confess it. And according to your word, the blood of Jesus cleansed me. Listen, I, I don't believe for one minute that the tragedies and the mistakes that we have made in our life will be forever erased from our mind. Even though it's in the blood of Jesus, even though Calvary covers it all. But what I believe is this, God's grace and God's, the power of his blood, even though those things remain in our thought process, what God's grace and his blood is able to do, it's, it's able to take the sting out of, doesn't change the fact that we would go back and change things, we would. But we don't have to wrestle every day with nightmares of it because the blood of Jesus is protecting us. The blood of Jesus is covering that. But sin does leave scars. I can remember when I was a young, young kid and my brother and all of the kids in the neighborhood, we would go down to this, this uh, creek that we had behind our house and and uh, it was a wonderful way to grow up in the woods and on the creek and fishing and just finding stuff to occupy our time. There was no such thing as videos and, and uh, YouTubes and all of this stuff, you know. Uh, we, we enjoyed life back in those days. Man, wouldn't that be good today if kids could just turn that stuff off and get back outside and enjoy God's green earth? Now, I will tell you, enjoying God's green earth, doing that as a child, also brought trouble too. <laughs> and we found our fair share of it. But I can remember at one point on a summer break from school, we would just look for things to do. And we had found this huge 
huge vine hanging from a tree. And uh, we got used to pulling that vine back and we got used to running as fast and as hard as we could and it would take us out over the creek and we'd swing way up and we'd come way back down. And we did that till we said, you know, we've got to do something about it. This is getting old. We got to take it up a notch. And so then we got this, this idea that we were going to nail a board to this vine. And rather than just swinging out there like Tarzan, we were going to sit on that board. Somebody would pull us back, run as hard as they could, and we'd go flying over that creek. You remember the Titanic? You remember how they'd stand there? <laughs> and that's the feel, man. That was a rush. And we got that thing going, and man, it was great. And we had done that far too long to where one day when I was, it was my turn. And we got way out there as far as that thing would go. And all of a sudden, the board that I'm sitting on broke. I latched hold to that vine, and my hand slid all the way down like a burning rope. I got to the end of that vine and that 16-penny nail that was holding that board caught my hand and ripped it wide open as if you would fillet a fish. I'll never forget that day. And every time I look at the scar right here on my hand, I'm reminded of that horrible event. It was, it was bad. I mean, just as a little kid, to see it, it was bad. But to feel it and to experience it, it was bad. And every time I do something and I lift up my hand and the sun hits it just right, or these spotlights hit it just right and I see it right there, I can remember that awful day. I can tell you all these events about it. I can tell you how it happened. I can tell you that I'm glad it's over and it's behind me. But that scar sometimes reminds me of that terrible, terrible day. But you see, what's missing out of this memory is the pain. That's missing. The memory is there, but the pain is missing. And this is what the blood of Jesus does. There is no way that we can take things, and God doesn't take our brains out and put new brains in when he puts the new heart in. He doesn't do that. We still are reminded. We still have memories. But his blood has the power to take the sting out. Are you with me now? It takes that pain out. Though the memory's there, the horrible memory of it's there. Listen, God, and, I, and I'm thinking... How long did David wrestle with this thing? My sin is ever before me until he got to the place when he said, wash me and I shall be clean. And God did that. I, I'm thinking of Mary Magdalene in the scripture. What a past she had. And I wonder how many times from the time that she first laid eyes on Jesus, from the first time that he touched her and forgave her, I wonder how long it was that she wrestled with her past until she got victory over the pain. 
You know, because there came a point in time when she was blending in with those disciples and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and they just took her in and loved on her and wrapped her up. There's no way that she, every time she got together with those disciples, that she sat in a corner and cried and, and said, oh my goodness, y'all don't know what I've done and y'all don't know where I've been and I'm just so ashamed of myself. I'm sure when she first met Jesus, there was a period of time where she did that and where she cried herself to sleep and where she could not believe that she did what she did and experienced those things that she had done. Think about all the people in town that knew her and knew what she was. But there was a point in time when when she had walked with Jesus enough and she had seen his compassion and she embraced his forgiveness. My goodness, think about what she did as a disciple for him. She didn't shrivel up and cry every time she got into the presence of Jesus and those disciples. I think of another person in the New Testament, and, and this was so impressive upon me that I want to read these scriptures for you. And you know the past of this individual very well. His name is Saul of Tarsus, and turn your Bibles quickly to Acts chapter 7 with me for a moment. And I want to share some scriptures with you. And we're talking about every one of us has a past. Every one of us have been through circumstances and situations where we wish we could just go back and change and undo and get it completely out of our mind. It will never leave your mind altogether, but what God does through the power of the resurrection and the blood of Jesus, he takes the sting of condemnation out. Look at this in Acts chapter 7, verse 55 and 58. This now is talking about Saul of Tarsus, but he being full of the Holy Ghost. Now this is Stephen here, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes, look at this, at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. While this crowd was going ballistically, hysterically out of control, stoning Stephen to death, the Bible says that all of the people now, to be able to hurl those stones in a more free manner, they took their clothes off and they laid them down. And when they all dropped them down, there was a man standing there watching this whole episode. And the Bible says they all laid their clothes down at a man's feet named Saul. Saul stood there and watched these people stone Stephen to death. And then in chapter 8, verse number 1, the word says this, And Saul was consenting unto his death. That means he did nothing to break it up. And while they were throwing the stones upon Stephen, and Stephen graciously looked up into heaven and said, Father, lay not the sin to their charge. The word says that Saul was consenting. He was saying, yeah, this is good. I, I know what he is. I know what he's done. I know what he's saying. He calls himself a Christian. He follows this man named Jesus. Yes, throw some more rocks. 
The Bible says he was consenting unto his death and at the time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And then in chapter nine, verse one and two, and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues that if he found any of this way, the Jesus way, the Christian way, Whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Now, I want to fast pace this part of the story. Saul travels on the Damascus road. He's interrupted by the bright light of Jesus. Jesus has a conversation with him. On the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus was gloriously saved. And now he's standing in front of his superiors And he speaks these words in chapter 26. I want you to see this in verse number nine through 12. There's been a transformation. You have to imagine, you have to picture in your mind that he was a terrible man. He was a vile man. He he corrupted people all around him. He consented unto Christians' deaths. He he, He was just wicked in his mind and heart. Now he's been saved. He's now standing before the dignitaries And he's saying this in chapter 26, verse nine. He said, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints that I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. Paul is breaking down his past here. He's saying, this is what I used to do. Now he's been saved. He's been gloriously changed. He was a persecutor of the church and he was an enemy of God's people. He did many things that were the sources of shame and disgrace to the body of Christ. And I wonder how many times from the time that he became engaged with this hostility of Christianity and then he accepted the Lord Jesus, I wonder how many sleepless nights did he have until he fully got to the place where he embraced God's love, God's forgiveness, God's compassion. Think about this. He's now telling what he used to do, how vile he was. But you see what's missing now because if you read on in his testimony, he's he's speaking these words with tears and sorrow, but he has now been lifted from the poison, from the sting, the pain of what he used to be. I want you to think about this just for a moment. Jesus saved him, he forgave him, and he changed him. And this is what happens when all of us call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord comes in, he saves us, he forgives us, and he changes us. God had a plan for Saul, and God has a plan for you and me. In fact, as Saul was a continual work in progress, you and I remain that today. The way in which he was committed to following and allowing God to finish his work in him 
was to forget about the things that were behind him. There was no way that Paul could be an effective evangelist if he constantly was shackled and burdened and cried and wept and was depressed over everything he did to the church in the early days. He had to embrace the forgiveness of God to move forward. All of the evil things that he had done early to Christians and the church and the working of God, he had to forget about it. He had to put it under the blood. He had to move on. And he knew that if he spent his days focused on what had happened, he would not be prepared for what was yet to come to pass in his life. And so Paul, rather, he was choosing to live through the windshield looking forward rather than the rearview mirror. And that's where many of us are stuck today. We are stuck in a situation in our life where we are constantly looking back to where we were, what we did, and how the shame and all the things, we're constantly looking back at those things. And, and here's the thing, we will never be able to embrace God's forgiveness if that's where we choose to stay. The truth of the matter is this, none of us can rewrite history. None of us can change a lick of it. But God's grace can move us forward and do a transformation in our hearts and our minds. When we relive our past and we constantly get bogged down with I should have or I could have or I would have, those kind of things where you occupy yourself is not really bringing meaningful change in your life. And listen, we're, when we do that, when we get bogged down in those circumstances, we're robbing ourselves of the good work of Jesus and what he has done through the sacrifice and the resurrection. We become, listen, if that's where we choose to rest and settle, we become like sailboats with no wind. We just sit in that place. Okay, so that's number one. Listen, live by the windshield, not the rearview mirror. But number two, and how do we move on? We've got to move past our past. We must put it to death. And I want to explain this to you. In order to take full advantage of the power of the resurrection that's available to us, we've got to align ourselves with the life of Jesus his death, and his resurrection. Paul writes about this as well in the book of Galatians. And I want you to see this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Now we're talking about in order to move past our past, we've got to put our past to death. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And so according to the apostle Paul, our mistakes, our sins, our shortcomings, our missteps, he said we have to crucify them. They must be nailed to the cross and put to death. It's like one of the great aspects of salvation. After we have see, received the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior, we, we've got to die to ourselves. That's why Paul said, 
I die daily to the flesh. We've got to do that in order to come alive to all of the new possibilities and opportunities that God has for us today and tomorrow. And so Paul tells us that this is possible only by faith in the loving grace of God. In fact, Paul says that aside from the grace of God, there's no way, no possible way for any of us to be made new. His blood, the Lord Jesus, we have just read this in 1 John, his blood is the payment for our sin. We've got to embrace that. His sacrifice is the cleansing agent for all of us. His resurrection is the proof of the power of the cross. And when we put to death our past by nailing it to the cross, then we are released from its power over our lives. We're, we're made new by the power of the resurrection. We're made clean. We're made afresh. And let me close by this number three here. We've got to move forward in faith. And Paul gives us the secret here how to live in the light of the forgiveness of God because this is one of the reasons we are bogged down in the rut of our past because we do not embrace and accept in the fullness thereof, and that is the forgiveness of God. And so in Galatians, we read, he says that now he lives his life, Paul said, by faith in the Son of God. Now listen very carefully this morning. Just because our past has been forgiven, and it has been, and I promise you this, whenever your past is brought up to the place where you think you have now got to become depressed and overwhelmed and that you're plunging in despair, I promise you this, it's not the voice of God. God's not sending a holy angel to depress you. So whenever you hear that whisper, ah, oh, but you did this, ah, oh, but you did that, and you say, yeah, I'm so sorry I did, and it's good to be sorry. But you have to remember something. It's not the voice of God that's coming to you with those torments. Jesus came to set us free. He came to give us life and that we might have life more abundantly. So here's the thing. Even though we have been forgiven and we have been cleansed and God takes the sting out of the memories of our past, even though there are scars, God takes through his blood the sting. He, he puts us in a place where we don't have to wallow in the misery. Okay, yes, that was in my past. I, I wish to God I hadn't done that. And if I could, I would go back and change it. That's all of the ingredients of godly sorrow. When we say, if I could change an ounce of it, I would. I'm sorry I did it. I'm sorry I said it. I'm sorry I participated in it. I'm sorry that I let my life go to that point. However, thank God on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that flows like a river. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, it leaves a scar and you will never forget, but you don't have to wallow in the pain of suffering because God's blood through Jesus has set you free. 
Now, but let me assure you of this. Because you have been forgiven and you have been set free. I don't want to mislead you here. You have to understand something very important. It doesn't mean that we will not make mistakes today. We will not bring disappointment or shame or reproach to the Lord today or tomorrow. We're human beings and those things by human nature just happens. We don't have to go back to where we were. We don't have to go back and repeat things in our past, but there are going to be things that come up today and tomorrow because listen carefully, we are sinners on a daily basis. We're not seasonal sinners. We're sinners on a daily basis. But the truth of the matter is this, like our past and all of the goriness of our past today, listen, the same blood that cleansed us and forgave us from all of those heartaches, that same blood is still washing and working today. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only yesterday, but today and forever. So we have to get this now. This, this faith in the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus, the faith gives us a confidence that because it's God's love that we have been forgiven and it's because of God's love that we can receive forgiveness in the future, today and tomorrow. There's a beautiful scripture in Psalms 103 and I want our musicians to come forward. In Psalms 103 and verse number eight, the word says this, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Oh, look at this, plenteous. Can somebody say amen? amen? Plenteous in mercy. Think about that. God is abounding in love, and it's because of this love for you and I that our past is covered. It's buried in the blood of Jesus as far as the east is from the west. We can move past our past today because of the loving grace of God. Now, I will say this. It may be well said that maybe there's something you're struggling with or you're tormented with that happened in your past that has not yet been placed at the feet of Jesus. That you have not surrendered. My sin, God, is ever before me. Wash me and I shall be clean. There might be something of yesterday where we have not been to that fountain filled with blood. And I will tell you, yes, not only will you have the memory, but you will have the sting until it's plunged beneath the crimson flow. And so what you don't need to do anymore is to needlessly carry around guilt and shame. You don't need to do that. And this is what people do sometimes. They say, yeah, I get this thing, preacher, because you're saying that if I come to the cross, if I come to the blood of Jesus, I confess my sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And, Lord, and I, the Lord knows I got a bunch of stuff. But you're saying, preacher, that if I come 
And I say, God, I've sinned. He already knows it. You don't have to let him in on something. He knows it. But you come to your own personal confession and say, Lord, my sin's ever before me. And there's, there, there's no, no peace for the wicked, saith the Lord. I, I get that. And so, Lord, today I'm going to bring you my stuff. I'm going to bring you my junk. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm tormented with this. I just, I, I need peace. The problem is this. You can come to your heart and reconcile that with you. And you can say all that stuff. And you can say, there it is, Lord. I'm giving you my stuff. And in Jesus' name, amen. And then we can reach right down here. And pick it back up and carry it all back home again. And you know what? That's what many people do. You won't have peace like this. You'll always have the sting of the past. What you need to do is say, Lord, I'm tired of this mess. And clean that up after church. I'm tired of this mess, God. I, I'm, I feel like my life is weighted down. It's oppressed. It's submerged in the sting of yesterday. And I'm tired of it. There it is. And you can put this before God in the cross, the resurrection, the empty tomb, the blood of Jesus. You can surrender it all to the Lord today. And listen, you can walk out of here this morning with the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Amen. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.